Thank you for listening to Crossroads Community Church of Jefferson Hills. At Crossroads, our mission is to be the church by sharing and showing the love of Christ and inviting others to be recipients of Christ's love. Now, here is this week's message from Pastor Floyd Hughes. Um, since it is the holidays, and as I said, people are going to be doing a lot of eating, we're starting a new series on healthy eating. <laughs> All the people in the back just gave me like the death look of like, we're, we're not doing healthy eating. There is no such thing as healthy eating during the fall. Anyway, that's, that's a myth. Um, some of you guys, well, maybe not you, but a lot of people on their way to church for breakfast, they had a handful of their kids' Halloween candy that's still around. So um, we're not, we're not, we're not, we're going to be talking about food and fellowship, but not about healthy eating because it doesn't exist. Um, I don't know about you guys, but what I used to do is from, you know, have one tries to stay fit from, no, from uh, October 31st, Halloween, um, all the way to January 2nd, it's like a food free-for-all. Just eat all the foods, try all the things, sample everything, especially stuff with gravy, sample that, especially stuff baked into mac and cheese, because uh, there are foods that people won't try, but if you bake it into a mac and cheese, they'll like have two helpings. Um, we did uh, a couple of years ago, uh, we did the best in a burger, and I had to go around and beg people to eat the camel burgers, because they're like, camel burgers, I'm not, who wants to try a camel burger? But if it's Thanksgiving and you bake it into a mac and cheese, they will take like two helpings, no matter what. So um, we're not going to talk about healthy eating, but we are going to talk about um, food and fellowship, uh, which hopefully you guys have heard me mention that before. It is throughout the Bible, because during this time of the year, there are people that are going to spend lots of time uh, around tables, uh, around uh, uh, Friendsgivings, holiday parties, work parties, organizations that you volunteer are going to have all kind of parties. So everyone is going to be going to places like this and eating around tables, gathering with people, having all kind of food, um, bringing all kind of potluck home, doing all kind of stuff. And the thing that will happen is people will focus on the food and miss the whole fellowship aspect, the opportunity to kind of get to know people, the opportunity to uh, spend time with people maybe you've never met before, uh, the opportunity to reconcile with family members, uh, the opportunity to maybe um, invite, you know, Uncle Joe and Aunt Sue, who no one else talks to, but maybe this year we'll spend that time getting being able to reconcile with them as we sit around the table and, and all eat some food, right? People will miss those fellowship opportunities. So over the next couple of weeks, uh, I wanted to walk us through some of the situations where food and fellowship is throughout the Bible, because you guys have heard me say that for years. That's why we have food every Sunday morning, like here, to eat, and that's why we have tables, so we can eat at the food without spilling it on our laps in the pews. Nothing wrong with you guys over there in the seats. But, so we're going to spend the next couple of weeks kind of talking about that uh, because we're going to have, again, opportunities to eat a lot of food. But we don't want to miss the opportunities to fellowship with people. Now, rather than me stand up here and say, this is how you're supposed to fellowship and this is the way it's supposed to work, I wanted to walk us through some situations where we look and we see in the Bible where people enjoyed food enjoyed fellowship 
and how that brought them closer together. So <clears throat> if you want to follow along, we're going to be in Acts chapter 2, but I'm going to put all the verses up here on the screen. Uh, and while you're turning to Acts chapter 2, starting in verse like 40, uh, I'm going to jump back into Acts chapter 1 just to give us some insight, <clears throat> excuse me, into what's going on. So in Acts chapter 1, verse 15, this is what we read. In those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120. So this is after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, right? And the, the whole entire church, not one congregation, not in one city, the entirety of the church in human existence was these believers, about 120 people, right? We may say that's not a lot, but that's, that's, that's it. That is every single Christian in one place at that time. Then fast forward, <clears throat> excuse me, to Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they... And the they is likely that whole 120 people, right, crammed into some place because they continued to meet. Uh, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven, filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. They began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So originally, uh, there was this 120 people. Uh, they were gathered together. God called out, poured out his Holy Spirit on them. And they went from we're just believers to now what we would qualify as. They are Holy Spirit-filled Christ followers, right? They're filled with the Spirit of God. Uh, they're ready to go out and take over the world. So what happens next is Peter shares this fiery sermon because they're speaking in tongues. Other people hear them. They're like, are you guys just drunk? They're like, no, it's early in the morning. We're not drunk. Peter shares this fiery sermon, and then about 3,000 people get added to their number um, that day, right? So dropping down to Acts chapter 2, verse 40, with many other words, Peter warned them, and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation, and those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number. So now, the entirety of Christian believers is about 3,120 people. Again, not a lot. There, 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 there are towns and villages that are bigger than that, but that's what made up uh, the, the entirety of the Christian religion for lack of a better term, at that time. 3,120 people, right? But then, amidst this approximately 3,120 people, here is what happens next. The very next sentence says, uh, those who accept his message were baptized, 3,000 were added to that number that day. They, very next sentence, so that 3,120 people, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Now, where it says they devoted themselves, uh, some versions say, uh, what's the phrase they use? Some versions say they persevered in doing it. I'm going to put up the complete Jewish Bible version because it tells you what a person reading this in that day, at that time, would have understood. Uh, so in the complete Jewish Bible version, it says they continued faithfully in the teaching of the emissaries, Emissary is just another word for apostles. 
in fellowship and breaking of bread and prayers. So they continued faithfully, regularly, consistently in the teaching of the apostles. And what the apostles was teaching was the word of God. The actual word for teaching is a word that means doctrine. So every single day they continued to learn about the doctrine uh, that the apostles shared, uh, the word of God, in fellowship, in breaking bread together, and in prayers. So this was what made up the foundational like gatherings of the early church. Granted, they didn't have videos playing songs. Uh, they, weren't, they didn't have guitars and drummers singing. What they did when all 3,120 people gathered together is they spent time digging into the doctrine of the word of God. They spent time fellowshipping together, hanging out with one another. They spent time breaking bread, sitting around tables, having meals, and they spent time in prayer. And here's the thing. Uh, this made up what they did regularly, consistently, faithfully, what they devoted themselves to. And when they did this, nothing else, right? They didn't have spaghetti fundraisers. They didn't have trunk or treats. They didn't have all these other outreach things to try to get people into their building, right? But when they did this, devoted themselves faithfully, regularly to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer, God brought thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people to their congregation. Without one single outreach, they didn't put an ad on Facebook, they didn't live stream anything, they just kept getting together, digging into the word of God, spending time hanging out together, breaking bread together, and praying together. So uh, let me do this. I'm, I'm going to break down each of these. They spent time in the apostles' teaching. And again, that word means doctrine. And it was so important that when the need arose for them to, hey, we need some other ministries to help keep things going. There's so many people. The apostles said, we, we don't have time for that. Our focus needs to be on teaching the word of God. So in Acts chapter 6, right, and at this time, uh, this, this, uh, if you read the end of Acts chapter 5, it, meant that it says they were going from house to house, they were preaching, they were sharing the word of God, and by this time, don't know exactly how many believers there are, but way more than just the 3,000, right? Likely 5, 10,000, who knows? It says in Acts chapter 6, verse 1, in those days when the number of disciples was increasing, so God was continuing to bring people, it says the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. Now, just, just some background context, right? Up until about chapter 9 or 10, uh, and if it, it's not exact, but every chapter of the book of Acts, 1, 2, 3, 4, consider that about a year, good estimate, not exact. So it wasn't until about a decade after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ that the gospel went outside of Jerusalem. Because it was in Jerusalem, it was amongst the Jewish people, Jesus was Jewish, they thought it's a Jewish thing, which is why you get to Acts chapter 10, and Peter's like, I don't want to go do this, and the Holy Spirit has to like break down some uh, political and racial and cultural walls to get Peter to share it outside of the Jewish context. So um, it was mostly Jewish people, right? So the Hellenistic Jews, which are the, the, the Greek families that were Jewish, uh, complained about the Hebrew families that were Jewish because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. 
right? So the 12, that's the apostles, gathered all the disciples, however many thousands there were, they were like, we need to have a town hall. We need to have a congregational meeting. And this is what they said. It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word and God in order to wait on tables. And they weren't being flippant or, or like negative to say, you know, we don't have time to wait on tables. That's literally what they did, right? When they, they would go, they would gather food, and they would feed people. But here's the thing. They weren't going out trying to feed everybody in all the communities. They were just trying to take care of the people who came in and were part of their congregation that had a need. And we'll talk about that later. So the, the apostles said, hey, we can't neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. So here's what they did. They said, brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We'll turn this responsibility over to them and we'll give our attention to prayer in the ministry of the word. This was the birth of the role of the deacon within the church. The whole, it wasn't that the deacons were supposed to be running the church and whatever power trip they get on in congregations today, the deacons were created to serve the people within the congregation. And they were supposed to be, and you know, they talk more about it in other places in the Bible, people full of the spirit and people full of wisdom. So the apostles said, hey, look, it's not, it's not our responsibility to wait on you guys and make sure these other ministries are filled. They said our teaching of the word has to be a priority. Understanding of God's doctrine has to be a priority. And, I, and we talked about this all the time, and I'm not hating on any denomination, but there are people all over the place that say, hey, why are there thousands of denominations? Because people don't focus on the doctrine of the word of God. They filter it through their cultural, denominational, and whatever lens, and then you have all this. And they said, hey, our focus has to be on making sure that we understand and teach the word of God, right? So they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. This is an important part, but it's also missing in a lot of congregations. Because what happens is a lot of people will come in, they'll sit down, and again, not hating on, you know, people in the world. They'll come in, they'll sit down next to someone in a row or a few seats apart, because you don't know them, a few seats apart. You'll sit down, you'll stand, you'll sing, you'll sit back down, you'll open your Bible, you'll read the word, you get up, and you jet. They leave when it's done, and they're like, okay, that was church, right? This is not what they did. They stood around, they opened the word, they talked about it, they hung out for hours afterwards. You're going to see that. We'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, but the word for fellowship is a Greek word, koinonia, and it means joint participation in. That means everyone participated in some way when they gathered. It also means to be a community because this is what the church is called to be. We're called to be a community. And again, I had this conversation with someone uh, just this morning who was saying that, well, you know, yes, it's okay to watch online. No disrespect to any of you guys watching online. Yes, it's okay to watch online. And it is. And it totally. I mean, if you can't make it, don't want to make it, too cold to make it, whatever, you're still, you know, making breakfast, kids aren't ready, put it on online. Nothing wrong with that. But they were saying, oh, can people, are those people really participating? Are they really worshiping? Are they really gathering? Yeah, they are. 
if you want to go somewhere, and I, I tell the people all the time, if you have friends who you want to invite here, but for whatever reason they're hesitant to come, then invite them out for coffee, pull up your phone and say, let's watch it online. Invite them over to your house for breakfast and say, hey, come have breakfast. We'll watch it online. You'll get a taste for what it's like. Whether it's with me or some other pastor or any denomination, invite them to watch online. But don't, this is, this is what we're not supposed to do. We're not supposed to just leave people out there by themselves because then they're not fellowshipping. They're not enjoying what's called the koinonia. And this is how important fellowship is. This is what the Apostle John writes uh, in 1 John chapter 1. He says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, we've seen it and testified to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. This is, this is him making theological statement that, yeah, Jesus is real. He was with God. We know he's the eternal God. Uh, we touched him. We saw him. We spoke with him. We ate with him. We laughed with him. We cried with him. We abandoned him. He forgave us, and now we're living our lives for him. But here's why he makes that statement. Here's why he says it. The next verse he says, we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that, here's the reason we're doing, he's proclaiming this, so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his son Jesus Christ, and we write this to make our joy complete. He's writing to people and he's saying, hey, look, it would bring us the greatest joy because we're sitting here. We've seen, touched, heard Jesus. We know he rose from the dead. We still have fellowship with him and with God the Father. And it would make us so joyful if you would join our fellowship with him. That's what happens when the body of Christ gathers together. That's why Jesus said, when two or more are gathered, there I am with you. Because when you're fellowshipping together, Jesus is like, hey, I want in on that. I want to be a part of that community of faith of people that are hanging out together in my name, right? So uh, here's the thing. John says that we proclaim this to you so we can have fellowship, but the fellowship is based on the doctrinal truth that Jesus is the Son of God. We're not just hanging out planning what we're going to do on Black Friday. We're not just hanging out uh, because, you know, I don't know, Applebee's is having a sale, and so we're just deciding we want to get together and eat at Applebee's. We're hanging out because we're the body of Christ, and we want to spend time together and I shared this story before, uh, at the church I was at before, um, but we, like, lived and breathed this. We would, we would you know, teaching was crucial, uh, the fellowship part was crucial, so afterwards, people would be there, hour, two hours, just hanging out, much bigger facilities, much more people, just hanging out, spending time together, and then people would break off and go do things together, and it wasn't just... One, two, three, four, it was like five, six, seven, eight o'clock at night, and people were still hanging out together. 
And then the people that were hanging out together that did this thing, and the people that were hanging out together that did this thing, we text, oh, you guys are still hanging out, you guys are still hanging out, let's all meet up for dinner. And it was the entire day just fellowshipping together. Now, we don't do that here. We do maybe lunch, maybe a little bit after two, three. We have it stretched into the dinner room. I think you guys did one time, made like a whole, almost a day and a half of it. But that's what the body of Christ does. Enjoy hanging out together and fellowshipping together. So they devoted themselves to the apostle teaching, the fellowship, and the breaking of bread. Now, here's, here's the thing. Some people believe that when it, says, when it says the breaking of bread, it's just talking about communion. But it's not. It's likely talking about eating, kind of like the thing we do all the time here, but also communion. And it was so important that their, their, their time that they would eat together in the early church, there was a phrase used called love feasts, where they would just get together, share food, and love on one another. Uh, so here, I'm going to put this up in the amplified version because it kind of expands on the language, and you'll see. And they steadfastly persevered, devoting themselves constantly to the instruction and fellowship of the apostles, to the breaking of bread, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayers. It wasn't just, hey, we're getting together to do the Lord's Supper. Uh, they were getting together, and they were having what were called love feasts, right? Uh, so in Jude, it says uh, he's talking about false prophets. We walked through the book of Jude a while back. He's talking about false prophets, and he says these false prophets, these are people, they're blemishes at your love feasts. These are the people who didn't come to love on one another and to hang out one another. They came to build themselves up. They came to disrupt things. He said, they're eating with you without the slightest qualm. They're shepherds who feed only themselves. So they weren't like, hey, let me go to this love feast because I want to hang out with Joe. I want to hang out with Beth. I want to hang out with Andrew and Marty. And they're having a meal together. So I'm going to go so I can spend some time with them and love on them. They went to try to be disruptive to them rather than spend time in fellowship with them. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So, here's the thing. The apostles' teaching and the fellowship, breaking of bread, devoted. Here's the thing. When they broke bread, they could also do all the other things at the table, right? Because you can sit around the table and have Bible study, talk about, you don't even have to have an official Bible study. Uh, you can just get together and say, hey, uh, the topic comes up about whatever that's going on. And so you look at, hey, well, what does the word of God say about that? The topic comes out about who made it in uh, to the elections and who got voted out. And what does the word of God say about that? The topic comes out about, we see, you know, this war and that war and this violence going on and that. What does the word of God say about that? But you can also just do fellowship where, hey, we're here, we're hanging out, um, we're meeting together, we're just spending time together. And you can also do the next thing, which it says is prayer. And I don't just mean the prayer where you're like, Lord, we thank you for this food, pray that you bless it to our bodies, amen, and eat. Which I will be honest, although I try to pray at meals, a lot of times people are like, Pastor, will you pray for the food? And I'm like, woof, 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 because I just started eating because I forget, but that's okay. Right? But prayer is foundational. Apostles teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. Prayer was a crucial part. Prayer is something that there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of verses telling us we need to pray, we should pray, we ought to pray, but you cannot get the church to come together to pray unless they have a need. 
But when you look throughout scripture, over and over and over, it tells us again, in Romans it says, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, but faithful in prayer, right? In Philippians 4, 6, it says, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God, right? In the book of Colossians, it says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And it says, pray for us. Paul said, pray for us that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I'm in chains. We just finished walking through uh, the book of Ephesians, which is one of the prison epistles. This is another, where he was in prison and he's like, hey, pray for me that in my circumstance, I can still share the gospel, right? First Thessalonians, it says, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. It is God's will that we would pray continually that we would give thanks, that we would rejoice. Prayer is foundational. And here's, again, again, just, just pointing this out. When they did all of these things, the apostles' teaching, when they spent time in fellowship, when they spent time in the breaking of bread, when they spent time together as the body of Christ in prayer, this is what God did, going back to Acts chapter 2. right? So it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Again, we talked about that a couple of weeks ago, right? So one of the signs of an apostle is the performance of miracles. It says, all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Now, this doesn't mean, because a lot of people think, oh, we're supposed to be socialists and this, that. No, this is saying that, you know, Beth would look and say, oh, you know what? Um, Bill has a need. And Beth would say, well, we have four cars. There's just me and her husband, or her and her husband. Why don't we sell one of them? And although it would be great to have the money, why don't we use it to help Bill? Bill looks and he says, oh, Bonnie and Kevin have a need. Bill says, hey, we've been living in this big six-bedroom house. All the kids are gone. They're in college. They moved out. They're doing other things. Why don't we sell the house, move down to like a three-bedroom, and we use some of the resources to help the people in need. This was over and over what they did to help people in need. Then it says this, but every day, every day, every single day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. This is where they would uh, spend time together worshiping. This is where they would study the word of God. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Every single day. God looked and he said, hey, you know what? You guys are focusing on the doctrine of the word of God. You guys are spending time in fellowship in a community as believers. You're breaking bread and you're praying together with one another. And so anytime there was someone who was like, well, I really want to know if God exists, God would say, hey, head right over there. Anytime there was someone who said, I'm struggling and I need to know if God can help me, God would say, head right over there. Hundreds and hundreds and thousands and thousands of people over and over again that God would direct to this community of believers who weren't like taking out Facebook ads trying to grow their church. 
They weren't trying to build schools in their church. They weren't trying to build hospitals in their church. They weren't doing anything except coming together to understand the word of God, to fellowship and spend time with one another, to break bread together, and to pray. And over and over and over, God turned that from 120 to 3,000 to tens of thousands of people until they were dispersed. And when they were dispersed, they would go into a new community and devote themselves to the apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. And in that new community, God would bring thousands and thousands of people. Anyone who was seeking him, he would bring to them. And I'm not trying to build this up, but this is why, and we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, one of the things we focus on is God honoring biblical teaching. Right? That's what all the, the live streams are focused on. That's what all the Bible studies are focused on. That's what all of our podcasts are focused on. Biblical teaching. Right? That's why we spend so much time hanging out afterwards. Uh, when I first got here, not to hate on us, but when I first got here, was it 17 years, 16 years ago? Um, and he's not here, so I'll talk about him. We had a guy who, once we were done, we'd sing, we said, and I'd say, okay, amen, have a great Sunday. Before I stepped down off the stage, he was turning off the lights, he was turning off the sound, he was kind of like, all right, you, you gotta go, time to go. And we were like, no, that's, that's, that's not what we do here. When we come together, we want to spend some time in fellowship. I want to find out how Karen and Gary have been doing, you know, what's been going on with them. I want to find out what's new with Kevin. I may not be able to connect with them during the week, but I'm here, they're here, let's talk, let's hang out, let's fellowship. Which is why we have lots of food, because we know people are going to be hungry. But uh, I'm going to wind down with this. Um, I was going to spend some time on a song, but I'm not. Uh, I'm going to wind down with this. Uh, and ask you guys, and I'm going to do this every week. Every week's going to be different, but I'm going to issue a challenge. Because as I said, all of us, whether it be at a Friendsgiving, how many people know what Friendsgiving is? I keep using that. I hope everyone, okay. It's where Thanksgiving, we usually invite our families over, you know, cousins, uncles, aunts, moms, dads. Friendsgiving is usually um, just your friends. Like, you're not going to be hanging out with your friends for Thanksgiving. You'll be with your family. So friends will say, let's have a Friendsgiving sometime before Thanksgiving. Same thing, a meal to give thanks, celebrate. That's all that is. So Friendsgiving, holiday parties, work parties. How many people's jobs have work parties? I don't know if they still do. Okay, a couple. All right. Um, and they don't call them Christmas parties anymore, holiday parties, whatever they call them. You're going to be gathered with them. You're going to have great, uh, if you volunteer, like a couple of the organizations I volunteer at, they're having Christmas parties. Right? So there's going to be so many different opportunities to eat food and hang out with people. Here's my challenge to you, is to find someone in this room, because that's what they did, it was with each other, and find an opportunity to hang out with them. And many of us, sometimes we do that, sometimes we don't. Um, it's easy, really easy, because, I mean, we, we kind of write the script for you, make it really easy. There's coffee, there's food. Even if it's just hanging out and say, hey, Gary, uh, do you want to hang out for an extra 10 minutes? Because I just, I've never got the chance to sit down and talk to you and would love to know more about you. And just spending 10 minutes afterwards, it may be, and I do this a lot, on a Sunday, because you know people are hungry after the Sunday celebration, who wants to go out to eat? 
and then you go out to eat. And I always am looking for opportunities to go out to eat. I will never turn down an opportunity to go out to eat. Who wants to go out to eat? And then you can talk to people and say, hey, I always wanted to know, how did Karen, how did you and Gary meet? How did this, I hate to keep picking on them, but they're right in my line of sight. So how did you guys meet? How did you guys get to know one another? Uh, another thing that you can do is because every now and then, food and fellowships throughout the Bible, so we'll have food here. So, like, we're going to have the great cookie exchange. We're going to have the pizza thing. The last, the fall feast that we had a couple of weeks ago, I sat down. They're not here. Cody and Jessica said, hey, I've never got to really, how did you guys meet, got their story, just to get to know them more. So this is my challenge to you. And I realize we're busy. I realize on Sundays we may have other plans. If you have an opportunity to maybe uh, make or schedule something throughout the week, Get to know so. And those of you who are just visiting, um, I'm not putting any pressure on you to say, hey, so you, you got to go take someone to lunch. But just spend the extra time to fellowship with someone that's a part of the congregation. Someone that, yeah, I've seen you here the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I've seen you here the last couple of months. Never really got to know you. So I'm going to ask you guys to stand. And I'm going to ask us to pray over all of the opportunities that are going to come up where people are going to gather over the coming holidays. So I'm going to ask you to bow your head. God, we know that there are going to be many opportunities for people to come together around the table over the coming holidays, whether it be Friendsgiving, whether it be Thanksgiving, whether it be a holiday party, whether it be a Christmas Eve dinner, whether it be a holiday brunch, whether it be families in town, so you're just going out to eat with them. But we pray that we would take to heart this message of spending time in fellowship and getting to know one another. We thank you for those that will get the opportunity to really spend a lot of time around these tables eating some amazing food. But we pray that you would impress upon our hearts to spend some time getting to know the people around these tables. And we also pray that as you make a way that we would do what we just read that we're supposed to pray to do, pray that we get the opportunity to tell others about you, your goodness, your grace, and your amazing love. Pray that we get the opportunity to tell people that there is a God who loved us and sent his son to die for us. Pray that we get the opportunity to tell people that the anxiety, the anguish, the anger, the hurt, the, the trauma that they have dealt with in the past, that there is a God who offers hope and healing and makes it available to anyone who desires to receive it. Pray that we get the opportunity to share the gospel with people within our circles of influence. And we pray this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. And everyone said, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Uh, pray that you guys have an awesome rest of your Sunday. There's a lot of food over there. So again, really well scripted for you. Just invite someone to sit down, share some food, and, and get to know people. God bless, and see everyone next week.